If you weren't here with us last week, uh, we started a new study called This is Our God, asking the question, who is God and what does that mean to us? How should we respond in, in light of who our God is? And, and Pastor Larry started us in this study by, we looked at the names of God, the many, many of the names revealed in the Old Testament and the New Testament and what those mean to us. This week we're going to be looking at the self-revelation of God, how God has revealed himself to us, and we answer the question, how do we know what we know about God? You know, these, these next six weeks we're going to be studying who God is, and we want to ask the question, how do we know that? How do we know the things that we know about God? And so we're going to look at his self-revelation uh, this morning. I want to start, any, any of you guys ever remember as a kid, uh, was it maybe in elementary, junior high, remember getting love notes as a kid? Any, any of you guys get those in school? The girl or the boy slipped it to you? Or maybe you guys still do that as couples, you know, today. That's so, so romantic. I don't know. I remember in sixth grade, I, I, I got some love notes from Brittany Leiter. She was in seventh grade. I was in sixth grade because that's the way I roll. And um, so she would give me, I remember we passed in the hallway and she slips me this love note and I grab it and my heart is pounding a million miles an hour. I run into the bathroom in the stall so nobody else can see and I'm opening it up and it's this heart-shaped, you know, pink uh, uh, heart with, and it's on and it says 31 plus 13 equals love. Now, my basketball number was 13, her basketball number was 31, and I was pretty good at decoding things. <laughs> I knew what she was saying. She liked what she saw. And so maybe you got some love notes, maybe you didn't, but I want us to, to role play here this morning. Um, imagine, put yourself back in grade school, some of you maybe are still in grade school, um, you're, you're, you go into your locker, you open your locker door, and in that locker is this candy bouquet, right? And in it has all of your favorite candies, the best ones. My favorite's Twix. And, and the little ribbons, they've got hearts on them, just like this one on the screen. It's pretty obvious that somebody's digging your chili, right? Somebody likes you. And so they, they gave you this thing. They made this for you. And they want you to let you, they want you to know exactly how they feel. Next day, maybe you get a little, you know, one of those little cute card, uh, hard out, uh, cut out hearts like I got. Maybe the day after that, you get a little handmade bracelet, has XOXO on it, WWJD, because you're a Christian, you know, too. Um, <laughs> and so you're getting all these things that this, this, this secret admirer is, is showing to you how they feel about you. And a few days later, you get in there this, this love note, okay, with this glitter on I found this on Google Images. Glittermash.com is where this comes from, apparently. I went to the website. Those are two minutes of my life I'll never get back. Um, <laughs> but you get this love note, and on the note it says, it says this is Penelope. And you say, ah, oh, that is the prettiest name I've ever heard in my life. And so as you're, as you're reading this note, she says in the back of the note to you, I've had my eyes on you all year. And you're like, yeah, you have. And she says, you plus me equals love. And you say, yeah, it does. And she tells you all about herself and her feelings for you. You know, you've saw, seen those letters, the eyes, instead of dots, they have hearts on the top of them. You tracking with me? She, she's into you. And, and, and she says, I want to meet you after school. We're going to meet under the bleachers of the gymnasium. There, right? 
And so, so after school, under the bleachers, there she stands in the flesh, the prettiest Penelope possible. And, and your sweaty hand takes her little sweaty grade school hand, and you tell her, I'm a Christian, so I kiss dating goodbye. No, you, don't, you, say, you know, you fall in love, and you get married, right? You know, and you have kids, and this whole thing, and your mom's like, you're in fifth grade, go to your room, you know. Um, but, but Penelope is so clearly, through the things that she's made for you, through the love letters she wrote to you, to want to meet you face to face, has clearly communicated that she's madly in love with you. And in the same way, no, not in the same way, in similar ways, we have a God who is madly in love with us. And, and this God revealed himself to us so that we might be able to enter into a love relationship with him. This is talking about the self-revelation of God, that God revealed himself, showed himself to us. And the purpose of this, the purpose of Scripture, the purpose of all things in the known universe is, is for one reason, is that we might know God, that we might glorify him as God and enter into a relationship with our God. But here's the deal. We cannot learn God. We can't know God unless he discloses or reveals himself to us. There's nothing that we know about God that God didn't in his sovereign plan decide to tell us about himself. But the good news is, is there are many things he did want to tell us about himself. And so just like Penelope, there are things that he's created to show us things about himself, things that he has written to us to show us about himself, and things, a thing, a person in particular that he incarnated, meaning made human, made flesh, to show us about himself. That's what we want to do this morning. We're going to look at some, so a little bit of theology. We're going to look a little bit about how God revealed himself to us. Then we're going to do a little so what, now what. So, so what does this mean for us and how do we respond? That's, that's kind of where we're going. Morning, Tim. Hey, buddy. So first of all, we see the general revelation of God. This is, this is his creation, what he's made for us. When we talk, talk about general revelation, that means things that he's revealed to everybody, that everybody on this planet for all of history, can clearly see these things about God. He's made it known to us all. Now, here's what he's made known to us. Psalm 19, you know the verse. The, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. So you, you look up in the, as of recent, clear, sunny skies, and it says they scream that God is glorious. And that God is a craftsman. He is creative. He is orderly. He is intelligent. It says, day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. In other words, the stars don't call out, hey, there's a God. They don't speak these things audibly, but by seeing their creation, they pronounce that there is a God and that he is glorious. 
Romans 1, Paul, he gets into this a little bit uh, more specifically. He says, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they, those in the world, have no excuse for not knowing God. He says there are things about God he has revealed to us clearly through what he's made. So here's the content. Here's what's inside of what we can know about God through his general revelation. First of all, the fact that there is a God. We can know from creation that there there is a God. This is called the cosmological argument for the existence of God. And here's what he's saying. When you opened your locker and you saw that candy bouquet, you knew that A, someone made that, and B, someone made it for you. You knew that these cocoa beans didn't just roll down the hallway, smash into each other, melt, form chocolate, plastic didn't just fall from the... I mean, this, this didn't just happen. This wasn't candy evolution, right? Somebody made this bouquet and they intended for you to receive it. In the same way, he says, you look at creation and it's clear that someone made this. If there's creation, there's a creator. If there's design, there's a designer. You've heard the argument, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Chicken, read Genesis. But... Either way, there's a chicken that came from an egg, which came from a chicken, which came from an egg, which came from a chicken. And you can go on infinitely. But what we do know is that somewhere along that series of events, there was a beginning that whoever caused that had to be outside of the chicken or the egg. They haven't been continuing the series of events for eternity. Something outside the chicken or the egg started this series of events. To every effect, there's a cause, and the cause must be outside of the effect. And, and so we look at creation, and we see this thing that's been continuing itself for, for thousands of years. We know something outside of that creation had to have started the process. We know something or someone started it. Now, it's still pretty vague as to who or what this was, but it argues that there was a creator We also see in creation specific things about God, right? We see, Paul said in Romans, we see his power. I mean, try to stand, you know, on on the beach and look out at the ocean and deny the fact that whatever or whoever made this was not powerful. We've seen this tragically displayed in these last few weeks in Nepal. Over 8,000 people died because this earth we lived on shifted a little bit. I mean, this, this nature is, is powerful, and therefore whoever made it is even more powerful. We also see his divine nature or godness, as Paul said it. In other words, that whatever made this is bigger and, and better and more powerful and more intelligent than us. This wasn't some human running around stapling leaves on trees. You know, this, this was clearly not human design, something much bigger, more divine than us, created this. There are, however, some limitations to this kind of revelation. First of all, we know a lot of things about God through his creation, but we don't know everything about God. We can see his power, we can see his godness, his creativity, his orderliness, but we don't know that God is a God of mercy and grace. 
You can't look at a plant or, or, or the sand or a mountain and know, hey, God loves me and he sent his son to die for me. That's, that's not written anywhere in creation. So there's a limit to what we can know about God through his creation. And also, the other, the other problem is that even the things that God has revealed to us through creation, it's obscured by our own sinfulness. In other words, there, there are blinders that sin puts on our eyes to as God's trying to show us these things that we cover our eyes. You think Clyde Kilby said it this way. The fall of man can hardly be more forcefully felt than simply in noting what we all do with a fresh snowfall or the first buds of spring. On Monday, they fill us with delight and meaning, and on Tuesday, we ignore them. You know, you, you, we all experience this as Alaskans, right? First day of snow, it's like, the snow is here, God is good, you know, we're building snowmen and, and you know, making snow angels out in the lawn, we're all excited for it, day two, ugh, the snow, like I have to shovel the driveway, I have to scrape my windshields, when is summer coming, right? And we immediately just forget that God is showing us so much about himself through that. God has revealed himself through nature to all mankind. Number two, this is specific, or, or some call it special revelation. God revealed himself through his word. This is the love letter that he wrote to you and I. Genesis 1, very beginning of the Bible, says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So how do we know that this creation that we see out here, how do we know it was made by God? Because he tells us in his word that he created the world. Everything beyond creation that that we know about God has been God specifically revealing that through, through word, spoken word, or then through written word. This is how we know we know about God. So, but how do we know that somebody wasn't just out there, some random dude didn't just write this down thousands of years ago and was like, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Like, like some suckers a year from now are going to believe this stuff. And people weren't just making this stuff up. How do we know that what we read in Scripture is, is true and, and that it's from God? Well, Second Peter tells us, for, above all, Peter says, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding. This, this didn't originate from the prophet's wisdom and understanding. He didn't look around and go, you know what? I think God created this heavens and the earth, and I think this about God, and I think that about God. Or, verse 2, from his own initiative. This wasn't man setting out to tell other men about God. It says, no, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they spoke from God. He says, the Holy Spirit moved men, instructed men in, in many different ways, audibly, visions, you know, whatever. He spoke to men and moved men, telling them what to write about the story that God wanted to tell us about himself. Second Timothy says, all scripture is inspired by God, or translated, God breathed. It was initiated from God. He used, the means he used was men writing the word, preserving it for us so we could know about us. Penelope in her love letter said, hey, that candy bouquet, that was for me, and I love you. God in his word says, this world that you see, that's from me, and I love you. 
So what do we know about God from this content? Well, we, we don't know everything about God, but we know everything that he intended to reveal about himself. Everything God, in, in his sovereign wisdom, said, you need to know about me in order to enter this relationship with me, in order to glorify me as, as I demand to be glorified, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to reveal it to you. And so he did so. But you think about the fact, when Penelope writes that love letter, there's a lot more that we don't know about this girl than what we do know from just reading that letter, right? Just a few sentences. There's a lot more about her than we don't know than we do know. Think about this. There's probably a lot more about God that we don't know than what we do know. I mean, sit on that for a second. God's told us everything that we need to know about him. But there could, I mean, he is infinite. He is eternal. I mean, there could be many other universes he's created. There could be many other things about him that, that aren't relevant for us right now. We, we don't know. I mean, that's, that's all speculation. But, but, but what an amazing eternal treasure hunt when we get to know him in heaven. There could be all these other glorious truths about God he revealed to us. The things that you and I need to know for salvation, how to live this Christian life and glorify God, have been revealed to us. And the final way that God has revealed himself to us is perfect revelation, and that's in his Son. Under the bleachers, in the flesh, is the man, Jesus Christ. God with skin on. Isaiah 7 says, All right, then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God saw fit to show much of himself through the created universe and then more specific things through his written word, through human history. They said, I'm going to take it one step further and I am going to come down in the form of a man and I want to show you all of me in the person of Jesus. This is an incredible thing. Jesus himself, he said in John 12, he said, for when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. When people saw Jesus, they were seeing God. You want to know how God would interact with people? What God would look like if he walked on this earth? what he's like, how, how would he respond to certain things, you go to the Gospels, and we see God incarnate. This, the content of this revelation is that it is the complete, perfect, and, and final revelation of God as seen in Jesus. Colossians 2, it says, for all the fullness of God is in bodily form in Jesus. All of God, I mean, imagine all of God is seen fully manifested in the person of Jesus. In, in John 14, good old doubting Thomas, he says, Jesus, why don't you just show us God? Like, why doesn't God show himself? And he says, you foolish man, Thomas. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. To have seen me is to see God. And then in Hebrews 1 you know, he says, long ago, God revealed himself through the prophets, but today he has chosen to reveal himself through Jesus, who he uses the beautiful picture. He says that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. 
He is the light that we see, the reflection of the glory of God. And he says he is the exact representation of God in human flesh. So what? So, 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 so what do we do with, with this knowledge? I want to talk about the necessity of, of self-revelation as it pertains to us. I want to read you a story called Diamonds in the Desert. It says, I one time heard of a man who had an insatiable longing for diamonds. And he had heard on the other side of this enormous desert were diamonds. So he prepared for the journey, and in the midst of vast, illimitable sands, he lost his way. And stumbling from sand dune to sand dune, he finally collapsed in the desert. Gaining enough strength to walk just a few more paces, he, he saw half buried in the sand a canteen of water. With a shout of rejoicing and anticipation for life itself, he made his way. He dragged himself to the canteen of water, half buried in the sand. And with trembling hand, he lifted it up. He took off the enclosure and raised the canteen to his mouth to drink of its life-giving water. And as he raised the canteen to drink, instead of water, there poured out a beautiful sparkling stream of brilliant diamonds. A canteen full of diamonds. In despair and agony, he took it and he threw it away. And those gems fell unheeded in the burning sand. What do you think you need from God to prove that he exists? What do you think that you need from God to prove to you that he exists? And, and can, we, can we be honest for a moment? Can we talk real here? Isn't it easy? Don't, we have doubt at times. I have doubt at times. Well, there's no room for doubt. There's no room for faith. We need to admit, because God already sees it in his heart. He knows everything. To admit that there are times when we say, God, are you, are you even... Do you exist? Are you listening to me right now? Is this whole thing just a big sham? And there are times we go, man, I don't know that creation, I don't know that the Bible, I don't know that the stories about Jesus and the gospel are enough for me. And you say, you know what? If God appeared to me face to face, how could I deny that he, would, that he exists? If God spoke audibly to me just one time, I'd have no doubt. If God wrote his name in the sky, if he did some kind of miracle in my life, healed me or someone that I'm close to, if he, if he, if he gave me the wealth that I've been asking for or whatever prayer, some kind of miracle to prove to me that he exists. Well, in his book, uh, Disappointment with God, Philip Yancey discusses this very thing. And he tells about the people of Israel. And he shows us, you know what? God did those things with the people of Israel. M Moses encountered God at the burning bush on Mount Sinai. He heard God's voice audibly, as did many other Israelites. They had all these amazing encounters with God. The plagues that he sent on Egypt. He parts the Red Sea. 
All the things that God does for them. I mean, you talk about writing his name in the sky, this pillar of cloud that they follow by day and in the fire by night. All, all of the things that God does for them, the, 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 the times that he heals the people miraculously, gives them victories in wars that they have no business winning. And what was the result? Was it a people that were saying, well, yep, we're all in. We, we believe God, we trust God, we follow God. I mean, look through the Old Testament and it's story after story of a hard-hearted people who continue to run away from God, disobey God, and time and time again refuse to trust him, refuse to obey him, refuse to love him. And when God finally came down in human flesh onto this earth to his own people, they murdered him. God gives us what we need of himself, not what we want. We scream, give me diamonds. He says, what you need is water. God knows exactly what we need of himself, and he gives that to us. He knows that in the desert of life, what we need is the canteen of faith not seeing him face to face, not these miracles necessarily in our lives in this sense that we want them. I think one of the main reasons he operates like this is that God wants to give us the choice of whether or not we believe him, of who he is, and and make the choice to follow him and obey him. We have to trust that this is a God whose ways are much higher and better than our ways. God has shown to us exactly what he knows we need to know and see of him. Do you trust him in that? So now what? What what do we do? How do we respond to this? Well, first of all, I think we need to rejoice in the fact that he pursued us. That this God initiated this relationship with us. And, and, and just like Penelope, this girl who was madly in love and, and wanted to say, I'm going to make this candy bouquet for you. I'm going to write this love letter. And I'm going to meet you face to face because of how much I, I love you and I want a relationship with you. We have this God who made this creation for you and I. That he wrote this love letter for us to know everything that we need to know about him and that he sent his son here onto this earth so that we could know him. See, the reality is God pulled no punches in telling us how much he loves us and to show us himself. And, you know, we can't go to God. Romans 3 says that there are none who seek after God. No one who initiates this God search. And all the scientific study in the world could have never ever shown us anything about God that he did not in first intend to reveal to us. But praise God that he chose to do so. We have a God who loves you for you and wants to tell you everything 
you need to know about him and have a relationship with him. Number two, we need to pray that God would open our eyes to the ways that he is revealing himself to us. God is screaming at the top of his lungs, I love you, but so often we have our sinful little ears fingers into plugged into our sinful little ears and we're not listening we're not looking to the ways that God is showing us himself pray that God would open your eyes and open your ears to the ways that he's revealing yourself we can do this in nature I mean man we live in Alaska you talk about a place where God is evident everywhere you look except for an anchorage sometimes G.K. Chesterton he said it this way you know, every day there's a sunrise. Okay, it's not, the sun's not rising, we know, but you see this sun coming up, and in the night you see this moon. And he says, what if, he says, for God, for us, just like with that snow we talked about, we can get kind of tired of it. He says, I don't think God ever gets tired of it. And he says, every time the sun rises, he says, man, that was awesome. Tomorrow, he says, sun, do it again. And the next day, do it again. Oh, man, did you see that? Did you see that thing flying through the sky? Do it again. He says, when he, when he makes a daisy, he, he doesn't make the other daisies exactly like it because he has to. He says he makes it because he says, behold this daisy. Look how beautiful this I'm going to make a million more of them just like that. He says, perhaps this creation that we see It's not mere reoccurrence. It's a theatrical encore. And God says, that was amazing. I'm going to do it again and again. And if we had the eyes of faith to see in every morning, like God did it again, another sunrise, another daisy, and, and open our eyes to see the intelligence and the creativity and the godness and the power that he's showing us through the things that he's made right outside of our front porch. How about in people? How about in people? When you, when you look at somebody, it's so easy for us to see somebody and be like, ah, them again, you know, and, and to be annoyed by people and to be frustrated by people. We're a sinful community that's going to happen. What if we pray, God, show me yourself. God says uh, it, all creation was good, but about man, he says we were made in the image of God. He said we were made very good. Now we are a sinful, marred image of God after the fall. But we are the image of God nonetheless. And this guy by the name of Henry Nouwen, he's actually French, so it's probably Henri Nouwen or something like that. But he says it like this. He says, The goal of education and formation for the ministry is continually to recognize the Lord's voice, his face, and his touch in every person we meet. So, so what he says is to, to be able to be ready to go into this world and love people is to be able to look at people and see God's voice, God's face, and God's touch in the people that we encounter. Imagine the kind of transformation that, that would take if, if you saw people like that. And you see this type A person who seems way too organized and uptight for you. And instead you see, man, look, at the, look how God is showing his orderliness and his design in that person. Or this person over here who's not time-oriented enough for you because they're always stopping and talking to people and listening to people. Instead you see them and you see, look at the way that God is showing his compassion and his love and his tenderness through this person. And this guy over here, man, look at how God is showing his sense of humor through the way this guy looks, right? No, don't, don't, don't. That's mean, no. 
But God is a God who loves to laugh and loves us to delight in laughter as well. I explain some of your friends. Do we see the way God is revealing himself to us in people? What about in the word? And I challenge you, make it a discipline in your life to be in the word every day. Be in the word every day. And, and it's easy for us to kind of have this legalistic mindset. Well, okay, I'm going to read a couple chapters or whatever, a couple verses, and then God's going to be happy and make my day go well. That's legalism. That's manipulation of God. But instead, what if we said, I'm going to open this word. And I'm going to pray this simple little prayer. God, show me yourself through your word. God, when I read this, I want to see what it is that you have for me this morning, this present that I get to open and tell me a little bit more about yourself through this story that I'm going to read and through this letter that I'm going to read. And imagine how that could transform the way you interact with the word where it's a time to meet with your God and to know him. And then finally, in his son, above all things, that God would open our eyes to see and to know the Jesus of the Gospels, and who he is in us and through us, what he's done for us, and the relationship we've been given with him, which brings me to the last point. We'll end on this. God has revealed himself to mankind. God has revealed himself, the self-revelation of God. God initiated us knowing him. Do you know him? Do you know him? And to make the contrast of what I'm saying is, or do you only know about him? A lot of us have grown up in the church. A lot of us have grown up in, in, in a country where God is talked about a lot. And it's easy to know the facts about God. God is loving. God is everywhere. God sent Jesus on the, this earth to die for us. We can know about God without necessarily knowing God. Last couple of weeks, I've been trying to start going on walks in the neighborhood, some of it's for exercise, um, and some of it's just a time to be able to, to get together with God. And what I found was my default is to put on a podcast, a sermon of some sort, and, and, and hear things about God, and that's good, and that's necessary. But what I found is often I'm a lot more comfortable hearing and talking and thinking about God than interacting with God himself. Does that resonate with you? And, and so what I've done is, you know, halfway through the walk, I, I take the earphones out, and I say, God, how are you doing, you know? And I talk with him, and I listen to him, and, and I pray with him, and, and that has been, I mean, God has used that in, in numerous ways in my life. It's, it's been amazing. Pretty simple concept. Hey, your preacher prays. That's cool. Um, but to make that intentional, I mean, think about walking with your spouse, and, and you're walking like five or six feet ahead of them, and you have your iPod in, and you're listening to a podcast about your spouse, and they're like, man, this, you know, your spouse is really nice, really pretty, really kind, like, yeah, it's so true, what a great spouse, you know, <laughs> in the meantime, they're eating your dust, and, and what if you take the headphones out, back up a few feet, take them by the hand, look them in the eyes, and walk with them? Do we know God, or do we just know about God? Maybe you've grown up in the church and know a lot about God, but you go, you know what, I don't know if I've ever actually entered into a relationship with him. Maybe, maybe you don't know a lot about God. Maybe you felt like you had known God, but you feel like you kind of walked away from him. You know, we're all in different places in this room, but I'd encourage you to pray that he would open his eyes, open your eyes to see him through his creation, through his word, and through his son. And if you want to know more to how to know about him and more importantly know him, 
you know, come and talk to me after the service. Talk to one of our elders or someone around you that you trust, someone you know that might know him, and they can tell you a lot about him and how to know him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've revealed yourself to us. We thank you that you are a God that, that did not choose to hide from us or to make us guess or figure it out on our own. Because, God, we don't have the brains to do that. We don't have the will to do that. But, God, it, you initiated relationship with us. You made this, this world so that we could know you. You made us so we could have relationship with you. And then when we sinned and walked away from you, you gave us our son, your son, to be able to redeem us and reconcile with us. Father, I pray that we as a body, we pray that you would open our eyes to see the very evident things all around us to which you are screaming to us about yourself through this world that you made for us, through the word that you spoke to us, and through this son that you've united us with. And it's in his name that we thank you and we pray to you. Amen.